This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today I'm speaking with Adam Peterman. This year, Adam put together one of the finest seasons the trail running world has ever seen including a win in his debut 100-miler, the hallowed Western States. Yeah, I would definitely say it changed my life. It was just totally crazy. Something that I thought maybe I could achieve someday would be winning Western States, but I, I really wasn't certain it would happen like on the first shot. In November, Adam won the World Mountain and Trail Running Championship. At only 27 years old, his future looks bright. Adam, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Justin. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Yeah, I grew up uh, right here in Missoula, Montana. Yeah, my dad was the flight nurse, uh, chief flight nurse at Life Flight here at St. Pat's Hospital. And uh, my mom mainly took care of me and my sister. Super. So let's kind of go through, you know, your basic running bio, you know, standout runner at Hellgate High School and then went on to Colorado Boulder at a, you know, mixed career there, but ended with a national championship. Is, is that right? How, what were your formative years as a runner like? Yeah, I started running, I guess, in like early middle school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really good at many other sports. You know, I played soccer a little bit. But yeah, got into track and cross country, ran for Hellgate, which was just awesome. You know, Anders and Mike Foote and M. Kendrick were all the coaches then. And it, it was just like such a good fit for me. I always was a pretty outdoorsy kid, but I wasn't very good at any of the ball sports. Mm-hmm. And so to find running and to actually be good at it and then to have these like great friends in the sport, it was just perfect for me. But yeah, I ended up training really hard. Uh, ended up winning state my senior year in the two mm-hmm. mile, uh, which got me a scholarship to run at University of Colorado. So that was like a huge goal of mine was to run division one in college. And, and we should mention for listeners that don't know, like Colorado Boulder is sort of the apex predator of uh of collegiate running in many ways, like legendary school, legendary place to run. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Fortunately, I was able to get on the team and be there for five years. And it was a really, really cool experience. I mean, some of these guys you're training with are like some of the best in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Coach would always say it's like every day you're lining up to like be out there with a pack of lions and some day it's your day and some days it's not. So yeah. definitely had plenty of workouts with the team where you just totally get spit out the back. But mm-hmm. Overall, like like you said, it was a mixed bag. Like my freshman and sophomore year, our team was really, really strong. We won cross country nationals those two years for Division One, and I was lucky to be a part of the team my sophomore year. But then, as a team, we kind of struggled. We didn't we didn't win again for the rest of my time there. And I definitely had a couple years of injury where I wasn't really able to run like I wanted to. So I feel like I definitely finished college with like somewhat of a bad taste in my mouth. Like just didn't have the achievements that I wanted to reach, but overall, like loved the coaches, loved everything about the program. And so after college, decided to move back to your hometown, work at Runner's Edge, or do some variety of things there. Describe kind of your, your, yeah, your decision to move home and and what that's all about. I always loved, uh, even when I lived in Missoula growing up, like I always liked it. I don't think I was one of those kids who was like really eager to get out of town so yeah, like after college, I I had a great time at Boulder, great time in Colorado, but I just like I just liked Missoula more. Um, Missoula always felt like home to me, so I was pretty excited to move back once college was over. Moved back, I actually ended up 
being an assistant coach at Hellgate again. That's right. So yeah. that was that was like the only job offer I had after college. I I honestly didn't. Uh, I I would say I didn't think too much beyond running in college. Yeah, beyond the next race, right? Totally. And so when that last race ended, it I really took a minute and was like, oh shoot, I need to like actually figure out what uh, what the rest of my life looks like. Uh-huh. But yeah, fortunately. Anders at, at Hellgate, he offered me a job as an assistant coach and I did that. I worked at the trailhead downtown. I actually ended up doing a seasonal job in New Mexico okay. for one summer. I was a range technician in this little town called Magdalena. But aside from that, you know, I've been back here assistant coaching. Anders hired me on to help out at Runner's Edge events. Mm-hmm. So I have I still have this part time job just helping put on these races around town and yeah, it's uh, it's been great. I love I love being back here. And so, in those first few years after graduation, what was your relationship with running? I assume running a fair amount, starting to get into the trail racing space. Your body's getting healthier. Talk about that process. When I finished at Colorado, I wasn't really sure what my relationship would look like with running. My whole dream for being like when I was younger and in college was to be a good runner and to maybe someday be a sponsored athlete. And I felt like when I finished at Colorado, like that dream was really, really far away and maybe like maybe wouldn't even happen. And so I really had to reframe my, my uh, relationship with the sport where I think it came down to more. I, I just chose to do what got me excited to get out the door and not necessarily look at it from a performance side. And so, yeah, I was just getting out with my friends. I started making new friends in Missoula and like the community here. Most of the guys I know were, were running trails, running trails in the summer and skiing in the winter and riding our bikes and like tagging peaks and just all the stuff I did when I was younger. And I think that was great. Like that was like a soft introduction to me to the whole sport of trail running. I think that first year I was back, I never thought I would actually take it to like a competitive or professional level. Yeah. I mean, that has to be an interesting thought process or, you know, you're navigating this space where, you know, probably the guys at the tippy top at Colorado are going on to pursue, you know, Olympic teams or professional road racing career, shorter distance, different type of existence. And, you know, in the trail space at that point is kind of, it's emerged to some degree. Folks sort of understand what an ultra is, but as far as training and competition goes, it's another beast entirely. You probably had to learn how to run slow to learn how to run an ultra, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. I would always show up to these group runs that we had and uh, guys would be like, like I would have to actively like slow down a bunch to run with them. Yeah. Uh, but now, now I don't feel that way. Now it's like the pace I go. Sure. So describe your first ultra marathon. You know, the first ultra I did was the Speed Goat 50K. It's okay. a big, big race in uh, that's, Utah. That's a difficult race to jump in with. Well, yeah. f- fortunately, you know, I had done, I did two trail marathons okay. before that. It's called the Moab Trail Marathon, mm-hmm. but I ran that in, uh, yeah, 2019 and 2020. And so I had success at that race. And yeah. so I... Fortunately, I had like two years of solid training before Speedgoat. Yeah, Speedgoat was the first. I ended up winning and just breaking the course record by yeah. like 20 seconds. Uh, it was really, really close. But yeah, I, I couldn't really ask for like a better entry into it. I think still, even though it went well, like definitely learned a lot. Like athletes always talk about bonking, like when you kind of run out of fuel in your yeah. body. I mean, I definitely bonked at mile 20 and had to come out of that. Like, drinking a bunch of diet cokes and I guess they weren't (laughs) diet cokes uh drinking a bunch of cokes and taking all these gels at the aid stations and it's kind of funny looking back now on the speed goat because I think I could probably 
go quite a bit faster given how little I knew then. But sure, and that's yeah. just you know a little over a year ago, right? Yeah, that was uh, last last July. Yeah, and so describe. I mean, I, I would imagine you're entering into these races with an amount of confidence as an athlete. You know, you're a good runner. You know, you've got speed and endurance, but at this distance. And in this context, you're somewhat of a, a newcomer. Describe kind of your your attitude. Some guys come in and they're brash right from the start. They're like, you know, I'm gonna. These are people are all old and slow, and I'm gonna come in and kick their butts. But you know, what was your kind of mindset going into some of these races from the start? I think I'm kind of lucky um, that I did have Mike Foot as an assistant coach in high school. Mm-hmm. Like he was really a guy I looked up to uh, even now, but like back then especially, yeah, because he was always like such a humble guy. So I think that was great. Like I try to still be a humble person. And then I also just learned a lot about ultra running yeah. from him that I think other high schoolers probably wouldn't have even had on their oh, radar. Oh yeah. I mean, having, you know, one of the top, you know, the top hundred mile runners in the world as, as your high school cross country coach is pretty unique position. Yeah, it was huge. So I think, I think that kind of helped form my attitude. And then I just had like it felt like right away in trail, I had a lot more success than I did in mm. uh, road running and track running. And so, yeah, I think that gave me like a lot of internal confidence just going into these races. And honestly, looking back, it's probably something I should have carried in track running and road running because, you know, I I line up on the start line of the Western States 100 this year and having never run 100 in my mind, I think I can win. And I have no reason to believe that, but I ended up winning and like, I think now looking back at these other races I've done, I probably should have had that same mindset. You know, you kind of have sure. to, you kind of just have to have this like blind faith in yourself if you want to do well. You know, it's interesting you say that. Like a lot of guys I competed with in college just kind of always had that mindset from the start. They just were, I don't know if it was an eight or they developed it as a, as a younger athlete, but they just, whatever it was, they were going to win and not winning was not even on the radar screen and and when they ever whenever they didn't win it had no effect on that confidence oh yeah whereas you know i've had some success but i kind of had to grow into it and 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 then that sort of played out at the ultra distance as well let's fast forward to that western states experience so first of all you know you you qualify into the race with a with a win at what 100k distance the canyons yeah canyons 100k and that's on some of the western states course right yep so you get some familiarity with the course you qualify for the race it's a race that's notoriously hard to get into and so competing your way in is probably the most efficient way in yeah totally Um, yeah no lottery or anything yeah. yeah But, you know, as as a relative newcomer to the sport, what gave you the confidence to think, okay, I'm going to take a crack at this 100-mile distance now. I'm ready. The distance was definitely, like, the most daunting thing. So I ran Speedgoat in 2021. I did a race called JFK. Mm-hmm. It's like a historic 50-mile yeah. race in Maryland. But I did these two races, and Speedgoat, I had the course record, and then JFK, I was, like, a, a minute slower or something like that. And that's, you know, like you said, a, a legendary race, course record there. Who has the course record now? I can't It's uh, Hayden Hawks. Has Hayden it Hawks. Okay, yeah. so relatively recent. But, like, that's had a lot of top-tier repetitions on that course. So that coming within a minute of the course record is pretty outstanding. Yeah, it was – yeah, thank you. It was, uh, yeah, really good day at JFK. But I think that kind of just gave me confidence that, like, Hey, like if I if I want to do ultras in Western states, like I think I can do well. Mm-hmm. Really, the unknown was the distance. I felt like if I could actually 
do Western States and finish that I would probably do pretty well. It almost felt like the biggest risk to me was like going out too hard and then sure. walking it in at mile 80. Which has happened to a lot of runners kind of with that that speed pedigree that you've had. They, they kind of don't – I wouldn't say don't respect the distance, but yeah, it is it is a daunting endeavor to go that far. And, and some people describe – you know, a 100-miler a is a different sport than a 50-miler. Yeah, you're just eating all the time. I mean, Western States is really hot, so you have to have a great crew, like, giving you ice and keeping you hydrated. So, yeah, it's definitely definitely quite a bit different than the, the races we are doing in college and even, like, a shorter 50K. I just felt like, given the performances I'd had leading into Western States, I just felt like if I was able to get it done, that I'd probably do decently. Yeah. Did you approach it as a race in the sense that you're thinking about where you are relative to your competitors throughout, or were you kind of more on the, I'm going to run my own race and pace myself and see where I land? You know, the Western States was different. I feel like all the races I'd done leading up to Western States, I'd gotten, I kind of like geeked out and looked at like the splits it sure. would take to get the course record and like certain times the top performance had been like at a certain aid station. And I tried that with Western States, like I went into the whole down the rabbit hole of like how fast the Jim Walmsley had the course record at Western States, like what his times were at the aid stations. And honestly, looking at that at Western States, like totally stressed me out. Yeah. So I went into Western States just uh, like I thought I could do well, but really run my own race. Given that it was 100 miles, I felt like that was my best route to doing well. Yeah, fortunately, it, pan- it panned out like I just kind of started out at like a pace I felt like I could hold all day, got to mile 50 and I'm in second place at that point but really hadn't thought about racing and it wasn't until mile 55 there's there's this big aid station it's called michigan bluff but i get to michigan bluff and my crew is like hey you're only two minutes behind the winner here like the guy leading the race and at that point then it was like game on yeah um yeah and particularly it was coming exciting. in with that amount of confidence yeah yeah totally but i think that really played to my favor in that race because I spent the first 50 miles just kind of chilling and it wasn't too hard. And so to get to 55 and be like, all right, now it's time to race. I think that was like perfect. We'll be back to our conversation with Adam Peterman after this short break. A new angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hi, this is Steve Albini, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Adam Peterman about the life of a professional ultra runner. So winning a race like that, for listeners that don't really know, like the the Western States 100 is the premier, certainly 100-mile race in the United States, if not the world, but it's also maybe the best known. And so winning a race like that, particularly now that, trail running and ultra running has kind of become a pursuit where you can make a living like that sort of achievement i presume is life-changing in a way has it and if so how has it transformed your life i would i would definitely say it changed my life it was just totally crazy something that i thought maybe i could achieve someday would be winning western states but i i really wasn't certain it would happen like on the first shot yeah 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 i mean it was unreal I definitely, I guess I got a lot of new followers on Instagram, but that's, uh, that doesn't really matter. But yeah, in terms of like, like I'm a sponsored athlete with Hoka, the shoe company. Um, and so like 
I was on a two-year contract with them, and I just signed a four-year contract with them now. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm able to support myself through running yeah. now, which is really cool, something I didn't think that I may achieve. Yeah, like it's, I'm really grateful that I'm with Hoka and that I'm, I feel like I'm in the sport at a kind of neat time. There is a lot more money for the athletes in the sport right now. So yeah, winning Western States definitely helped with that. Fortunately, like Missoula and the running community in Missoula is like pretty tight knit. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like running around town, I wasn't like getting bombarded with people. uh, I didn't know. I feel like I've kind of known the running community my whole life. Fortunately, like nothing's really changed in town. The weird thing that happens now is like when I'm traveling to these other races, uh, especially now in like different countries, I guess people are like starting to recognize me. And so that's been kind of weird, but everyone's really, really friendly. You know, it's the people who see you or they're excited to see you because they're also just runners. Sure. I mean, talk about what that, what that feels like. You say kind of weird, like what's the, what's the emotion? How's it, is it uncomfortable or are you excited by it? Oh, usually I'm, I'm excited by it. I guess, uh, it hasn't become like too overwhelming, you know, I'm not the most extroverted person, but I, I wouldn't say I'm an introvert either. So I enjoy, I enjoy like these interactions, but like, for example, I was just in uh, Thailand for the World Championships yeah. of Trail Running. A lot of people recognize me now who I wouldn't have expected. Sure. Um, like, other runners are, after the race, are, like, trying to get my signature. And I'm like, well, we just raced each other. Like, why Why do you want my signature if you're uh, also at Worlds? Yeah, I think um, at your level, they start to call it an autograph rather than a signature. <laughs> so, you just, yeah, get the vocabulary right. Yeah, and, and maybe we should mention also that you won that race. So, you are a world champion. <laughs> And that might have had something to do with some of the, the, the attention as well. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I guess I guess so. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm trying to take it in stride, but it is, uh, yeah, it has been kind of weird. For sure. I, I think the, the attention piece is one thing, but the kind of realization that, oh, my gosh, this can be my job. That's got to be fulfilling in, in a way that this, this activity that has brought you so much of kind of your self-conception now it can be your job that's going to feel pretty good it's like a lifelong goal really was to be sponsored like sure. that was my dream when i was in high school and yet felt so far away in college it's cool to cool to achieve it now but i think i'll i think i'll still continue to work part-time i think it's good to have be with uh real life too you know i work i work for runner's edge events helping right. put on races and so I think it's good for me to still have a job where I, you know, I order porta potties and working on the website, <laughs> and I'm like lifting things around day of the race. I think I think it's still important to have that, even though I could, I guess I could right now just support myself from running. Sure, you know, I've known some some runners that have kind of been faced with that opportunity, and and for some it's been fantastic. For others, actually having the gift of not being able not not having to work a day job had a negative effect on their running in that they just felt like, okay, it's my job to run and train all the time rather than what the pro- probably the reality was. Actually, it's my job to do the same running and training that I've always done and just rest instead of go to work. So how, how's yeah. it, like, give us, give us kind of a day in the life of Adam Peterman as a professional athlete. Yeah. Like a lot of guys who get sponsored and quit their other job, like they end up doing too much. Yeah. So that's like definitely a worry of mine, but uh, yeah, a day in the life. So Gosh, I guess get up. I try to get up like somewhat early, like right around six and then, you know, head out for a run around eight. Depends on the day, but I'll run somewhere between like 10 and 10 would just be like an easy run, 10 miles. 
sometimes I'll go like three hours, mm-hmm. um, especially when I'm like really training for a race, be, be about three hours. And then I usually have a little bit of work to do in the middle of the day. So that's, you know, we're getting ready for a race. It might mean I'm going out to our storage unit, getting some stuff together. It might mean I'm just working on our website or emailing some communication stuff with mm-hmm. other vendors. And then in the afternoon, I, I usually go out for another session. I don't usually run twice in a day, but I'll either lift weights at the gym that not not very heavy, pretty, sure. pretty easy stuff. But yeah, do some uh, physical therapy at the gym. I'll go for a bike ride or I'll ski. So I, I usually try to work out twice a day, like maybe five days a week. But yeah, it's pretty simple life. And then just cook dinner and hang out. And I like to go fishing with my dad when I have the free time. Um, we hunt as well. So yeah, just kind of living like a Montana lifestyle. So, you know, you're kind of, you can make a living in the sport and with that potential, with the amount of money that has come into the sport, it's allowing careers to be made. It's, it's, there's prize money. The stakes in some ways are high. That introduces the need for regulation in the sport, like, you know, doping control policies, stuff like that. What's been your experience of coming up into that aspect of the sport? And and what would you, how would you describe the sort of state of the game um, with regard to the health of the sport? Yeah, it seems like it's just growing really quickly. I I think I came into it like while it's growing really Mm -hmm. quickly. I don't, like a lot of a lot of my friends who may have run ultras five years ago talk about these ultras they did they did that were like really chill, like, you know everyone's like camping at the start and yeah. I love that. Unfortunately, like that hasn't necessarily been my experience. I think I just came into it while it was like pretty high on the rise. But yeah, there's there's a lot of different things issues in the sport. Like uh, the biggest race in the world right now for ultra is UTMB mm-hmm. and which it's a great race, great, great, uh, great race to do. Um, but it's like really hard and confusing of how you get into it as an elite athlete or even as a non elite athlete. And so like, I think that's something the organization is going to have to work out or another example, like I just ran the world championships of trail running in Thailand and that was awesome. And I ended up winning. I was like the world champion, but it wasn't the most competitive race that I'd ever been in. Mm, like yeah. all the top dogs weren't necessarily in that race. And so even though I was like coined a world champion, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I am the world champion. That didn't feel like as big a deal as Western States or winning no. speed goat or JFK or yeah, I would say races. Yeah. I would say it didn't feel as big of a deal as winning Western States. So I think the sport definitely has to iron out some issues with that. Like if they want to have a world championship, then they should try to make it be like the actual world champion, yeah. uh, world championship. Doping's a big issue. Like I got tested after worlds, but only the top three got tested. Yeah. And so there could have been other guys who may have been like not clean athletes who just weren't on the podium. And same with Western States, like the top 10 get tested for doping, but uh, no one else beyond that. So I think there's a lot of like growing pains with what's happening, but I'm sure that all this is a good thing in general that the sport's growing because we're getting like more people out there. It's becoming a career, like a viable career for elite athletes, which will just make it more competitive and just fair for everyone. So like we do complain, like, yeah, we wish that the world championships was like truly the world championships or that UTMB wasn't so confusing to get into. But I think this is just like growing pains that the sport will experience. And in your estimation, is, is, is doping a problem in sport? Gosh, I feel like from my experience in the races I've done, I would guess it is not. Okay. Like 
at least in the U.S., I would be very surprised if the people that I'm racing against are doping. In general, all the guys I've or men and women I've met through trail running have been just like amazing people, and I would just I would be really surprised if any of them were were dirty. Yeah, that's heartening to hear. Yeah. So in our remaining time, Adam, talk about what's next. I mean, you sort of at, at 27 years old, you've achieved some life goals already, and you have a lot of life left. Talk about kind of what's next and what you're looking at in the future. Yeah, it's been a really good last year, and then yeah, now I'm just looking forward to kind of a winter of a little less running Mm -hmm. more skiing it's kind of funny like i've just done this like these two really big races but now i'm looking forward to a nordic skiing race in Sealy lake so yeah i'm gonna do the oscar 50k skate skiing race then and then maybe another 50k skate ski race in west yellowstone so that's that's just kind of for fun like something to make me run less through the winter but yeah man i'm uh all set up i'm signed up for western states again next year and really looking to try to run maybe even a faster time. Depending on how Western States goes and if I'm able to recover, I would like to do one of the races at UTMB in okay. Europe. There are a variety of distances, 100 mile and you know like 120K, which sort of yep. seems strange that they have that distance as well. But there's a variety of events there, yeah. They have the main one, which is 106 miles, but then they have 100K and a 55K. So I'm depending on how recovery is after Western States, I would try to do one of those. Sure. Fantastic. Yeah. And then just looking to 2024, I'd love to try to qualify for the US marathon trials. And so that'll be actually quite a bit different for me, kind of go back to running fast. But I need to run a 218 in the marathon to qualify for that, which is in Florida in February 2024. So, so a big yeah. gear shift. Awesome. Yeah. But I think that's the I think that's good. I think it's good to Absolutely. mix it up. Yeah. yeah. And so for a listener who's hearing, listening to this and, you know, thinking, I, I get this question, well, I used to when, when I used to kind of do some running, like, how on earth do you run 100 miles? I don't even like to drive that far is the common thing. Like, whether you're going fast or not fast, like, how, how, how do you do it? How do you, I mean, one foot in front of the other, obviously, but like, you're standing on the starting line of one of these things. As you said before, the distance is daunting. How do you approach it mentally? Oh man, having only done one 100 mile race, I I still feel like the distance is pretty daunting to me. How I did it at Western States and how I'll try to do it in the future is I just thought about like going to the next aid station and that really broke it up. You know, that's, you got an aid station every five miles. So even during Western States, no matter how bad I felt, I was like, all right, well, I can go to the next aid station. I think that mindset and then you know, we're, we're from Montana. We're kind of used to being outside all day, maybe not running all day outside, but you know, you go hiking all day or you might go hunting all day and Western States like takes all day. So that was kind of my mindset going in was like, all right, I don't know if I can run a hundred miles, but I can probably run all day long. And fortunately that, uh, yeah, that got me through. Yeah. For, for some people, it's more than all day. It's all day and night and then some day. But uh, Adam, it's been a pleasure learning more about your approach to your work, the, the sort of transformation this year has had in, in your life. And um, I am excited, as I think a lot of this community are, to, uh, to see what comes next. So thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen.
A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. Social media by AJ Williams. And Jeff Neese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.